Hi, I'm Zeeland. Like, actually, this isn't AI or anything. And you're listening to the Thousand Hours Podcast. Hello and welcome to A Thousand Hours and welcome to FM24. I'm Alex Towles and as always I'm joined by Alex Woodward and Alex Tamp-Brown. This is our annual first episode of the new game show where we will talk you through some exciting teams that you could select for your first save in FM24. Last year, we picked 10 teams each for an overall list of 30. This year, in an attempt to go into a little bit more detail, have a bit of a deep dive on each of the teams we select, we're going to pick five teams each to give you a list of 15. Our rules are, we can only pick one team from any country, uh, that you are allowed to mention honourable mentions that you have for that country. So, for example, I could pick... Manchester United as a team in England. I would then not be allowed to have Chelsea as one of my other five, but Chelsea could be an honourable mention. We haven't told each other what teams we've picked. We're going to find out what teams we've picked right now, live on the show. So before we get started, good evening, lads. How are we doing? Tam Brown, what beverage have you got for us today? Uh, I've got a cup of tea in a Mr. Grumpy Mr. Man mug. Excellent. Uh, I think that suits your character, as we will find out shortly. Um, Woodward, good evening. What beverage have you got today? I have a cola made by a company that aren't sponsoring this, so they don't get any mentions. Excellent. Uh, I have a Thatcher's Haze cider, which I will proudly mention because I'm from Somerset and Thatcher's is good cider. So if Thatcher's want to pay us, they can, but I'm not going to require they pay us to call them good. Right. Who wants to get us started? I mean, no- normally we go in the order Tam Brown, me, Woodward, don't we? Well, so not should we continue episodes. that? No, not on these episodes. What do we do? I, I, I've started first. Oh, well, we'll let Woodward go first then. Yeah. Yay. So it's hard to, to like pick which side deserves to be the first mention from me because I've got five teams, as everyone else has, and I I want the first pick to be my best pick or my favourite pick, but I guess the one that most people have probably thought of already when it comes to picking a team in Football Manager this year is in Spain in the third tier and is Malaga. Now, obviously, it is still less than a decade that since Malaga... Oh, no, is it just more than a decade now? Just more than a decade since Malaga were in the Champions League semi-final against Borussia Dortmund. And that was a surprise in and of itself because Malaga had sort of experienced a rapid rise under an owner who isn't the best sort of person on planet Earth. But... Once it became clear to said owner that he wasn't going to be able to get everything he wanted from the city of Malaga and particularly outside of the club with regards to infrastructure projects, he essentially abandoned them and that has led to the predicament that they are currently in 
in the third tier for the first time in, well, a long time. They've started off the season okay. They're third in Group 2 of the Primera Division RFEF, if that's what it's still called. Maybe it's had another rebranding since I last looked. But, obviously, Malaga are a bigger side than this. They're not meant to be here. They play in a, a massive stadium. La Rosaleda is, what, 30,000 seats? So, they're not the biggest side in that league, because you might know there's a certain Deportivo La Coruña who are in that league and really struggling. So, feel free to pick them instead, but we've picked them a lot on this podcast in the past. So, yeah, Malaga, try and get them back into the Champions League, try and get them to be the exciting side in Spain that everyone wants to watch, as opposed to the side that nobody remembers. I, I love that pick, because... I, I thought of I thought of going to to Spain for something kind of like a fallen giant save, but Malaga I think is just the one to do almost um, when you look at all the sort of yeah. traditional big sides that are are not doing too well in um, in Spain. I, I was I was all uh, going to put in my honourable mentions Real Oviedo purely for the fact that Santi Cazorla's back. Yeah, that's um, that. <laughs> But you know, makes Mal- it Malaga low is actually, happy. yeah. Uh, I think Malaga's probably the probably the best pick just because of the size of the mm. club and the potential to generate a lot of income quite early on. So if you know you start pulling a few results together, you can start getting more fans in, bringing more money in. But then also, if you don't start well, you can be in a real predicament as well, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. And the third tier of Spanish football is very different to when I was last there. So, you know, it's it's a, it's mm. a new experience for, for pretty much everyone, even if you've played in that league recently. And the best news, arguably, is that you don't have to play Zamora. So that's great. Oh <laughs> yeah, didn't it used to be about, like, 12 different tiers and now they've changed it? What what what, what have they changed about? I know, I know this isn't, like, new. I think this came in last season, yeah. didn't it? But so, I still don't know what's going on. So it's now two groups. I don't quite know. I think it's just two promotions per group. I think one automatically and then the other through a playoff. I might be wrong because, funnily enough, I, I know I um, URY had the sort of label of being a football hipster, but even I don't watch the Spanish third tier on a weekly basis. Or on any basis <laughs> at all. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but that's the big difference because it, I think it used to just be the one league and then obviously they had that mental year where they were trying to sort everything out and reform the entire pyramid. But th- this is where... Spanish football sort of splits off into into two leagues, which only in the third tier. Mm. You you are correct. The by regional the way. leagues. It is the uh, they're in the Primera Federación Grupo Dos, and that is great Spanish. For oh me, yeah, they did the change way. its name. It's Primera Federación now, isn't it? It was Primera Division yeah, RFEF, yeah. and they've changed it. Yeah. See, <laughs> told you they do keep rebranding it. It's such a wonderful league because not only have you got uh, Malaga. In there, you've also got um, Castilla and Atletico Madrid B, but then you've also got uh, Ibiza for an away day. I mean, what Englishman doesn't want to go there? Me. Um, there's also Intercity, which I think is owned by Thibaut Courtois. Yeah, because it. No, did didn't they didn't they leave it because it was when it was Dux Inter when they owned it. I I thought they they quit. Oh, I've I've. 
I've just gone onto their staff on FM, and it's Juan Fran who is the managing director, which I'm guessing is the Juan Fran uh, that played at right back for for Spain. Oh, but right. also, there's like some really interesting sides in there. So there's Ceuta as well, who actually play on the African mainland rather than in in Spain. It's one of those tiny little enclaves in Morocco. Um, and there's Meia as well, which is another one of the little enclaves in Morocco. Uh, but I think there's also some former um, some former La Liga sides as well, mm. with uh, Cordoba and Real Murcia as well. Ojalva still in the third tier. Uh, yeah, Recreativa. Yeah, well, they they played. The same oh right, they played in the first ever game in Spain against uh, the side who are now Sevilla. Ah right. So they're also yeah. very historic. It's one promotion automatic, and mm. then there's two, and then there's a promotion from the playoffs as well. Yeah. But I thought it was really interesting to see that there's actually five relegation um, oh, spots as well, is. which is just the, the worst. But if you get it wrong, you're getting it seriously wrong. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I think Malaga is like such a class. Well, it's not a classic save. In the, I think it's they've been a relatively new predicament, but it's a classic save idea, which I think is going to crop up quite a bit in this uh, in this episode of a fallen giant you're trying to restore to past glories. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think excellent way to kick us off, Woodward. Yes. Tam Brown. I was, I- Tam Brown, I'll let you go, sir. Woodward had any uh, honourable mentions that he wanted to mention before. Oh, yes, of course. What, just from Spain or...? And any, from Spain. Yeah, any Spanish ones. Well, I've not prepped any, but Cadiz, because Cadiz, um, <laughs> if you don't know about them, they're, they're, they're the Spanish, they're the closest thing Spain has to St. Pauli. So, good. Uh, athletic club, because athletic club. Um, I'm trying to think who was in the... Segunda, who might be a bar, a bar been terrible recently. After that, um, was it a defeat or a draw to Al? No, Alcoyano. Oh, who was it? The team who wear yellow. Anyway, they. Oh, um, no, no, it's gone. Uh, after they blew the chance of promotion back to La Liga in the most devastating sort of circumstance I've ever seen, I still have nightmares about that game, and I don't even support them. Yeah, get them back in La Liga. Fair enough. Um, I do have an honourable mention from Spain, but I've not chosen any Spanish teams. Uh, My honourable mention was FC Andorra, again, (laughs) shock horror, uh, purely for the fact, and it's it's self-explanatory, right? It's not for the fact that they are owned by Gerard Piquet. It's the fact that you can get an Andorran side into La Liga and win the Champions League with an Andorran side, and that's probably the best chance you've got with one of them uh, sides. And the honourable mention was mainly to do a like a youth academy save to bring forward Andorran youth to help the national team and hope that they don't get poached mm. oh, by Spain. I, I do have um, another so one. Actually, that was my honourable mention. Mm. Since we're rehashing old ideas, Unionistas to Salamanca. Because you've just, you've got her. They're fantastic. <laughs> I've owned an article oh, about yeah. them three you've got, you've years ago. So please, feel free to give that a read if you can even find it. Good luck. But yeah, good, fantastic. Good luck. luck. If, <laughs> if we're going in ascending order from um, our wor- our kind of worst picks to our best picks. We're not doing um, that. I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm not, not doing that. 
Do you accuse mine of being the worst pick? No, no, as in, like, from our top fives, if we're going from, like, our most... From five to one. I'm not. From five to one. I'm going purely on vibes. Oh, right, well... I'm just going in a random order. I'm more about what you consider five and one, because I I feel like I'm going to disappoint you. Oh, I've... I've I've got a like a ranking for mine, oh, okay. which is what I'm going off. In at um, five. To be fair, it is in at five, um, and it's purely to take advantage of the fact that Gibraltar is now in the game. Oh yeah, the actual base game. Um, basically, it's an eleven-team league. Yeah, that, which is what you need to know. And if you managed to somehow get them to the top of the UEFA coefficient rankings you could genuinely have eight of those teams qualifying for europe which i just think is the best thing that you could do <laughs> like so the the team i've chosen uh, is mainly is kind of irrelevant really because it's just a building a nation save you want to build up gibraltar to be the best nation in europe in terms of club football Sorry, just before you before you say what the team is, does that mean yeah. if you don't get relegated, you make Europe in in this sort of situation? Well, the way that they've added the game in, they don't have promotion and relegation. Oh right. So it's <laughs> it, if you got if you got them to that level of this is a you know the best league in Europe, you mm. could genuinely go. These are the best eight teams. The rest of you are shit. <laughs> I, I love the idea of trying to get four teams relegated, like introducing that feature somehow, which I know you can't do, oh, but yeah. let's just pretend you that, can. Be, and, and the team would get hilarious. relegated, mate, you're the be perfect. I'm oh, my that. God. Could you... No, no, no. I, 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 someone, I've seen... So this isn't exactly the same, but I've seen this. Where have I seen it? Um, Kevin Chapman, uh, Lelujo, who you may be aware of if you're listening to this podcast, football manager, content creator. Um, he did a, um, like he does at the start of each FM uh, simulate a video simulating like 100, 250, 500 years into the future to see what the world looks like. And in his particular world, 500 years into the future, Scotland was the second, the Scottish league was the second biggest league in Europe. And the, so the top seven are all qualified for Europe. Of course. Um, Scotland is a 12 team league, which splits in half into a, into a like title phase and a relegation phase half, uh, two thirds of the way through the season. So that meant that the team that finished top of the bottom half split of the relegation phase of the SPL got into the Europa Conference League in in that world. So that, that's yeah, that, that's similar and quite Perfect fun. logic. Well, it's it's very similar because the Gibraltar Football League also splits after twenty games have been played into a championship group and then the rest of the teams don't play for the rest of the season. So <laughs> A Champions group and a no group. <laughs> well, it's a Champions group and a no group. But if you got them to the top of the European club rankings, the team that finished seventh would just qualify for Europe. And then it's between that Champions group to find out who gets the Champions League, which is hilarious. But the uh... best part of this is, and I just want to see UEFA be able to figure this out, is that every team in Gibraltar plays in the same stadium. Oh, God. 
and they play in the National Team Stadium, which is Victoria Stadium, it gets better. You have match rules that you have to abide by in the league. Right. And that is that there must be at least five players trained by a club in Gibraltar in the playing 11, right? So you, you half your match day team has to be trained in Gibraltar, which right. is just brilliant. Um, but also they're affected by the Brexit rules. Oh, God. Because they're part because of the it's United... it's British territory. It's a British territory. So... <laughs> And Spain isn't treated as non-foreign. So, basically, if you wanted to sign any Spanish player, you have to get them a work permit. But because you're Gibraltar, they're probably not going to be deemed of a good enough standard, maybe, depending on how it's going to work. Basically, it is just an absolute... You've just got to convince, like, long-league ballers to come over and have a summer holiday with you. You've got to convince Baz, 35, <laughs> pot belly to come play up front for you. Um, so, <laughs> so, oh, my God. So the team... And, and the prize money's fantastic. It's 17.25k if you win the league. Um, <laughs> so you're not exactly... Really no, but they, they put in... That's another thing that, like, FM has put in. That they, they... Well... I don't know. They, they definitely put in vari- vari- variable sponsorship income. I don't know if they put in variable. Um... Yes, yes, they have. It's. Um... Have they put in variable prize money as well? Um, I think so, because it will be dependent on the sponsorship income of the league. So, so if you build the league up, there will be more competition prize money. I hope so. Um, That's very fun. And I'm, I'm going to end my segment on Gibraltar by t- saying that the team I've chosen is Mons Kalper because they're not playing in European competition in the first season. Fair enough. Right. Excellent. So, go go and have fun in Gibraltar. Everybody go and have a summer holiday. Everyone go have a holiday. Oh, that's, that's such a funny idea. Um, so... Gets weirder, I I'm promise gonna... you. It gets weirder. So, I, the only thing I know about Woodward and Tam Brown's picks is that they haven't picked a single club from England because I asked them beforehand, thinking that we'd all pick a club from England, I asked them beforehand if they picked clubs from England, what ones they'd done, just so there wasn't any overlap. And then they said they hadn't, so that's fun. Uh, so I'm going to get the only England selection out of the way nice and early, but I'm also going to get the bit where I've cheated out of the way nice and early. Because Is it Bristol City since they're looking for a new manager? No, it's not. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Not, though, uh, while as you've mentioned it, Nigel Pearson has been incredibly hard done by. But that's past mm. the point. Um, I'm cheating. This is a joint nomination. Uh, I'm jointly nominating Scunthorpe United and Yeovil Town. This is correct. So these are two teams that were in the championship in the 2010s and now find themselves at the lowest possible point of playable English football in the base game of FM. Uh, Scunthorpe in the National League North and Yeovil in the National League South. Uh, so with both of your team, both of these teams, your aim would be in the save to arrest the slide and get yourself back to the championship uh, where they once were. Scunthorpe um, did this a little bit slower than... Well, both teams uh, ended up in the National League South this season. They got relegated last year. But Scunthorpe had a bit of a slower drop through the football leagues, uh, held on in League 2 for a while before having a double relegation in the last two seasons. So they went from League 2 to the National League 
in 2021 and then from the National League to the National League South last year in 22-23. No, that's wrong. 2022, they got relegated from the the Football League. 2023, relegated from the National League. Talking about in the National League North. Yes, that's what I'm saying. They're in the National League. Oh, did I? That's my fault. Um, If I said North... If I said South, sorry. If I said North, I'm right. Um, But yeah, they had a... The point is, they got relegated twice, and now they're in the National League North. Uh, whereas Yeovil got relegated much quicker from the Championship. They were actually in the Championship as recently as 2013, 14. Um, but then tumbled down quite quickly uh, into the National League. Spent a few years in the National League, and then got relegated last season to the National League South. Um, this was... the Scunthorpe have been the team that have been on this list for the longest of any team. Because um, if you've been paying attention to non-league football, you might be aware that they had a bit of an interesting ownership situation in real life earlier this season, um, where fans were getting lifetime banned. Like fans were getting banned from the ground for being critical of the ownership and the ownership decisions. Um, and Why then they put the whole thing. Fantastic! They're perfect. Yes. Yeah. Look at the pro. Uh, look at the progress <laughs> we've made on this chat. Oh, it's upside down. Yeah. Still, um, I I can't remember the exact details. So apologies to Scunthorpe United fans, but yeah, they like they're being booted out of their ground as well, and going to have to ground share with someone else. And they announced publicly this ground sharing agreement before it had been <laughs> agreed between the clubs. So the other club that they agreed to ground share with put out a public statement like, hang on, we didn't say yes to this. Was it Gainsborough um, Trinity? It was. I think it, it was, was Gainsborough Trinity, yeah. Yeah, because it, think about it. That, that's, a, that's a club who were in the championship and Gainsborough Trinity, who are not, and now they're <laughs> sharing a ground. <laughs> yep. Yep, that's where Scunthorpe are. Um, it does seem that things have been getting a lot better on the ownership side for Scunthorpe United. The old owner, I, I think, stood down, uh, and it's now... I don't know if it's fan-owned, but like, there's a lot of lot more fans say, it seems, and the people who were banned have been unbanned accordingly, and they'll be hoping that they can push for a promotion from the National League North, as you will be hoping to push for a promotion from the National League North if you Before choose. Before you move on to the other uh, mention, I, I'd like to throw in an honourable mention mm. that I had for the National League North, um, and it's completely mm. the flip of what you've got. So it's a team that's in the game for the first time, and it's a team that are on the up, so it's South Shields, um, ah, yeah. in the game, being on upwards directory, and basically the challenge was going to be: can you win the Champions League before Newcastle United do? No, probably not. That's the challenge. <laughs> That's the challenge. You know. That's a funny challenge because you have no control over Newcastle. Give Newcastle the football club it deserves. Give, give Newcastle the football club it deserves. <laughs> no oil money. You know. Win yeah. it organically. Can I just say Absolutely. about? Can I just say about Scunthorpe? Just think about the fact that they were once in the same league as Leicester. Actually, same goes for Yeovil. Think about the fact yeah. they were both in the same league as Leicester at one point. There were there was a point where they were above Leeds in the football league pyramid. Mm. I think if there was anyone else, said Southampton as they were, well. They were above Brighton. Yeah, I, and yeah, Brighton, Brentford. Yeah. A Yeovil beat Brentford in the playoff final, didn't they? In, uh, when they got promoted to the championship, I think so. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, as part of Brentford's long, 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 long run of playoff futility before they beat <laughs> Swansea. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Yeovil have a slightly better ownership situation. Uh, they were bought in the summer by a local businessman called Martin Hellier. Hellier, I can't, probably Hellier. Yeah. Um, so, um, <clears throat> but yeah, the the aim is very similar to return to the football league and get back into the championship. Both teams are predicted to finish first in the league in your first season, so there'll be immediate pressure to come in and succeed, but it shouldn't be difficult um, to get your way out of there, given you should be the best team in the league in both cases. Um, I do want to give a shout-out to Dan Howell and Jake Crump, who are the Yeovil Town media team. Um, I don't know if they'll be listening to this, but uh, they both used to work for Taunton Town, and I've met them a couple of times, because I did a couple of media bits for Taunton Town, so shout-out to those guys. Um but yeah, those are my joint nominations for England saves, uh, Scunthorpe United and Yeovil Town. No honourable mention. My honourable mention was going to be Bradford uh, until I remembered that I should probably stick Yeovil Town in here, given they've got a very similar story to Scunthorpe. Uh, but yeah, Bradford, a much bigger club um, than they have, than their results have been recently. Uh, they had Mark Hughes, a big name manager, and he couldn't get them out of League Two. You go get them out of League Two and then move on to bigger and better things. So, that's all of the... Park in Scunthorpe. It's great. <laughs> it's a cracking little ground. I went there um, first day we... of the 08-09 season. One of the best away days I've had. And with that, we are done discussing England, and we're back round to Woodward for his second suggestion. Okay, well, you you may know, it, it's a little known fact about me, that I I am a fan of German football, and that I, I even, some have rumoured that I even do a German football podcast. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. Whether I've just recorded a list of 12 suggestions for that podcast is also an unverified rumour. But anyway, obviously with Germany, it's a toss-up between two teams. And I, I will mention the other team as an honourable mention. I will not go through all 12 that I mentioned <laughs> on this podcast, if it even exists. Who knows? But the, the team I ended up picking were Alversberg. Alversberg are from a village of 12,000 people. It is the village of Spiesen Alversberg. They have very little history as far as anyone outside of Alversberg would be concerned. My first knowledge of their existence was when they knocked St. Pauli out of the DFB Pakal. Thanks, lads. <laughs> they, they were dominant as well. That's when they were fourth tier side. Before last year, so in the 2021-22 season, they were promoted to the Dritter Liga for just the second time in the club's history. And everyone expected that they would struggle and go down, only spend one year in the third tier of German football. And it was the case for Alversberg, only spent one year in the third division. Well, because they won it, not because they <laughs> they were relegated. <laughs> they were expected to be the weakest side. They opened their season with a 5-0 win against someone. I think it was Victoria Kiln, I can't remember now. But 
their first bit of national attention was when they absolutely demolished Bayer Leverkusen at their own ground. This was in the final days of the set, well, not the final days, the final weeks of the Serrani era. And were able to knock them out in a dominant 3 1 performance and went on to win the Dritta Liga. And it would have been at a canter if it wasn't for the drop off in the final few weeks they had a had a rough patch in april and so they, they didn't dominate the league but they did win it and so they are now in the spider bundesliga to give you an idea of just how ludicrous that is that would be like if my village had a team in the championship we don't have a team at all there is no team in this village and we have a well a significantly bigger village in in all fairness than than Alversburg because it's 15,000 so that's our village is bigger than your village come on 25 percent ah go it's fa- it'd be fantastic to have have this village in the championship but it's not I'd, l- I'd love to see the um, away day just saying our village is bigger than your village to take 10 fans away to the Alversburg <laughs> <laughs> uh when Alversburg take on Hoffenheim <laughs> I mean it should it should be mentioned actually because I know speaking of that some people will be a bit skeptical going well hang on Hoffenheim are from a village of three thousand people which is not twelve thousand and yet they're in the Bundesliga but whilst Alversburg do have decent finances behind them it is not the level of Hoffenheim it, it's not a owner of a major technology company circumventing fifty plus one ruling it by himself and and getting his team up into the Bundesliga with the help of Ralph Raniak so. They're not the same sort of thing. So, yeah, if you're able to get Alversburg, Alversburg into the Bundesliga and then inevitably beat Bayern Munich when Yannick Fosch outscores the 96th minute in a 1-0 win, then you will be just the best person in the world. Obviously, the honourable mention in, in this case goes to Heidenheim. They're playing their first year in the Bundesliga. They're only from a town of 50,000 people, so they're not massive either. Frank Schmidt, the current manager, took them over 16 years ago when they were in the fourth tier. They were in the fifth tier as late as 2004. And this is their first year in the Bundesliga. It is a miracle that Heidenheim are here. But obviously... The reason to pick Alversburg over Heidenheim is not only the fact you start in this fighter, which, for my money, and I know I'm incredibly biased, but for my money, is the best league in world football. I will fight anyone who disagrees, and it's not a sarcastic remark. But, okay, the fight part was, but the part before that wasn't. (laughs) But also, you'd be sacking Frank Schmidt, and don't do that. Why would you do (laughs) that to him? He's so lovely. (laughs) I'd be rude. Poor man. He's a nice bloke. He's a nice yeah. bloke. Yeah, nice bloke. Um, so, Woodward, obviously your your knowledge of Ellsberg is a little bit more... Uh, Developed. ...deep than your knowledge of some of the other um, teams that you might be suggesting. Yeah. So I want to know a couple of interesting players that it might be fun to get to get to know if you pick an Ellsberg save. Well, obviously, the, the main one for me is that they've just loaned in Paul Vanner from Bayern Munich. And Paul Vanner's fantastic. He got his first goal last week uh, as well. So so that was really good. Um, their best players so far this year, uh, Lukas Schnaubacher, who was one of the top scorers last year in the Dritter League. I can't remember how many he scored, or if it was him or Voltemarder who, who did the primary 
scoring for them. Obviously, Nick Voltemar and out there to Bremen and not doing too well. Uh, Vahid Fajir mm. has been playing really well so far this season. Um, Semi Sahin as well. Fajir's a, um, a winger, if I'm... No, no, I think he's a forward, actually. Simon Schnaubach up front. But anyway, Sahin's also good. He's a central midfielder. And I guess I've not mentioned the defender yet. Have I mentioned... What's he called? Um, Carlo Sickinger has also been a really good player for them this season as they are inexplicably genuine promotion contenders. That's the weirdest part. They're in and around the promotion places. I, I think they've moved up into seventh, but like they're only two points, three points off HSV in third. So <laughs> they could actually get promoted. <laughs> But yeah, they're, they're a lot of good players. They they've um, been able to retain despite losing a few of the the key guys from the Dritter League winning squad last year. So, yeah, I hope that, I hope that was enough players. Yes, that was that was good. Thank you. Awesome. Town Brown. So we, weirdly, myself and Woodward seem to be occupying the same sort of geographical spaces. Um, so I, I'm going to give my honourable mention first, which is a team in Belgium. Um, and it's Standard Liège, who were a mainstay in the Champions League in the mid-sort of noughties, but have been on a very kind of slow decline since 2014. It's been 10 years since they won the title in Belgium. Uh, and basically the, uh, the question was, can you build them up and win the, the Champions League and get them back to the forefront of Belgian football, alongside Yaya Torre with your assistant manager? Uh, just a fun little uh, save for you to do. And it's definitely a little one because you start off in the Jupiler Pro League anyway. And if you don't know about the Jupiler Pro League, it's absolute chaos. You play <laughs> the first stage and then everyone goes into some form of group. Um, there's the relegation group, there's the second phase, and then there's the championship group. And you might think, well, what do the second phase play for? They play for a playoff spot for the European places. And that's it. Um <laughs> So you could have a very boring season if you kind of are a middle-of-the-road team. But my actual choice was in Holland. Um, and Alex Woodward is going to like this one because I chose Nack Breda, who rejected a takeover by the City Football Group last year. Oh, or I think fantastic. it might have even been last season. Um, and for all you kind of Batman versus Superman fans out there, their first manager was Ben Affleck. No, not that one. Um, <laughs> no, no, it was that one, actually. Many people don't know he's, that. He's lived forever, you know. <laughs> um, he's a busy guy. They have, on, they have only ever won three trophies in their 112-year history. They've won the Eredivisie once, they've won the Dutch Cup once, and they've won the Dutch Second Division once. Uh, they won weirdly enough, the Dutch second division, um, a few, I think it was way before they actually, um, way way before, I think it was in a stupid time ago. Ah, here we go. So they won the Eredivisie in 1921, they won the Dutch Cup in 1973, and they won the um, Dutch second league in 2000, which was actually when they became a professional side. So they've only been professional for something like 20, 24 years, which is insane mm. um they've been again like um like, like standard liege they've been on a slow decline 
in the early noughties, they finished uh, fourth and third in the Eredivisie, um, which qualified them for the UEFA Cup. Uh, you know, they've been a very, very decent side, but ever since they finished third in 2007-08, they were on a very kind of slow decline when they en- and they ended up getting relegated in 2014-15. They ended up getting back promoted to the uh, Eredivisie in 16-17, but within two seasons were back in the second division, where they have stayed ever since, finishing fifth twice, eighth once, and then sixth again. So the question basically was, can you make Nack Breda um, and uh, the top team in Dutch football and justify why you don't need a multi-million tycoon uh, football group to take over you? That's an excellent Brand show. I like that one. I knew, I knew Woodward would like it, so... <laughs> I wonder why. Wonder why. I wonder why. It's just a very small thing as well. It'll be a so the the theme of that one was very small saves that you can get done quite quickly. Mm. So yeah, there you go. And I, I've actually um, I, I'm I know we've gone into a bit more depth uh, in our saves so far, but I actually want to move on straight away because I've also got an Eredivisie team. Uh, and I'm going to suggest the team I've been playing with in the FM24 beta, which is Ajax. I'll be honest, so, I do also like that. Yeah, don't, don't, don't uh, get me wrong, I, I like it. I'm not booing Ajax. I'm booing the fact that he's gone for a team in the top flight. <laughs> you should be booing no, so, everything about Ajax except for the club, except for the name. All I'm, all I'm saying, right, is if you're choosing a team that's in the top flight of a league, it should be Luxembourg, Liechtenstein, or Gibraltar, and nothing else. <laughs> you are uh, a bit of I a, mean, a football is, manager this, extremist, yeah. in all fairness. Yeah, yeah this, is, um, this, this is my obligatory save for people who want... Save for normal people, you know? <laughs> people who aren't going to be slugging through a 21-season Taunton Town save. You know, sometimes you just want to go into a team where it's a realistic possibility that you'll win the Champions League within five years. And that's why you should select Ajax. Ajax have been dog shit this season. As we record, they are bottom of the Eredivisie with five points after eight games and fresh off a 5-2 hammering by PSV, where they were 2-1 up at halftime. That's the worst of our wolves. I was going to say, I'm not even sure the most positive Ajax fan thinks they're going to win the Champions League anytime soon on the form. Yeah. No, not in real life, but it's it's a reasonable unless, possibility in FM. Unless they clone yeah. 1970s Johan Cruyff a couple of times, <laughs> it's not happening. Well, I mean, this is the Ajax Youth Academy in FM. It's not impossible that will just spawn in your youth intake in the first season. I mean, um, I, I know Chubarak Pom is like the ultimate second division <laughs> player, but I didn't expect him to take Ajax down with him. Um, <laughs> he's oh not the ultimate God. second division player, though. He had one year, and they he signed him for 12 year. million. <laughs> Why Sven, do you think they're battling stop. relegation? <laughs> How did Sven Mislintak <laughs> get Stuttgart to ninth? <laughs> I was asking the same questions when he joined Arsenal, so don't worry. <laughs> anyway, anyway, he's. It, it'd be pretty difficult for you to do as badly as they are in real life in Football Manager, as they're predicted to win the Eredivisie uh, on the season preview. Uh, and 
I in in my playing, I haven't had much time to play the FN24 beta, I'm ashamed to say, as I have been moving house. But um, in the Get little time that I have right. had, um, I, I went like nine games unbeaten. I think to, I, I, I went ten competitive games unbeaten. I lost my like ninth game in the league, but there was also Europa League games and stuff. So I went a good amount of time unbeaten uh, before losing away at Utrecht. Um, but yeah, like it's really, it's not super difficult to just go straight in and win the league first season. Your Ajax, of course, it's not that hard to go in and win the league first season. So uh, about but to the, the real manager. <laughs> well, um, but the real challenge will be, can you build on that and build a team that can challenge or even surpass the team of about five, six years ago with the likes of Frankie de Jong, Donny van der Beek, uh, and make it to the latter stages or maybe even win the Champions League? Obviously, Ajax are a European giant and have won the Champions League a few times before. So the ultimate aim of any Ajax save will be to replicate that. Um, and I do think if you get lucky and the smart media transfers, it is doable within the first five years. Um, not that I've got more than halfway through my first, but... Can we talk about what's actually been going on at Ajax? Because it's not just that they've slumped out the gate to start the season. They are... In an absolute state, they are. Oh no, they're genuinely clubs in Europe. Oh yeah, that. When I said they've been dog shit, I was not exaggerating. They've been Mm. actually, actually awful. Um, They sacked their technical director, and then so they sacked Sven Mislintat, as we mentioned, was their technical director, Mm. Uh, and then a couple games later, sacked their new manager. like yeah, they they're having an awful, awful time of it. Um, this this all started though, probably with Mark Overmars getting sacked because yeah, some humans it goes back to that. Have the innate urge for some reason to send photos of their private parts to other people. I do not understand. I don't think anyone listening to this will understand. But that that's where it started and. The, the people of, for all of Obermars being a monster, which he's a terrible human being, they've not been able to replace his talents when it comes to setting up a scouting network, having contacts, finding the right players. And Ajax's sort of recruitment has gone into, well, spending 12 million euros on Tuba Akpom tells you everything you need to know about Ajax's scouting methods, which is that they don't have anyone competent making decisions. They just seem to go for... tired has-beens and players who are clearly not up to the level yeah yeah they've they've gambled on potential rather than gambling on proven talent Hmm. and it's just not worked yeah but yeah there's quite a few good young prospects that have come through when you're uh, and this is no this is no hate to the players that they've promoted uh, but they've got uh, Joral Hatto, uh, who's a really good prospect, and then uh, Amaricio Van Axel Dongen, who, again, also a really good prospect. But to give players at age 17 and 18 that, don't get me wrong, you should give them chances, but you shouldn't go, you're going to start for Ajax. The, the problem isn't that they haven't got players, it's the problem is they've 
playing them too early, which is weird for a club like Ajax because they normally know exactly when to play a player. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so in FM, I've been starting Hato as my starting left centre-back and he's been absolutely great. Um, Van Axel Dongelen has not been starting for me. He's been on the bench because... If you're not... So, in real life, Ajax have been playing Steven Berghaus as a midfielder. Uh, in FM, you do not do that stupid thing, and you play with a front three of Berg, Steven Bergwijn, Steven Berghaus, and one of the strikers, and that's immediately the best front three in the league. It's, it's really not that difficult. Um... Uh, the, the Are you saying you know signed... more than those running Ajax? I am not way, saying I know should... more than those no, running Ajax. The answer should be yes. The answer 100% saying... should be yes. Everyone I does. am saying that I would make diff- different decisions. Um, they Also, their signings that they made this summer, in-game at least, are really, really good. Like, an average Eredivisie player in your Ajax squad would be a two, two-and-a-half-star player. Like, that's how good the rest of your team is. Um, Branko van den Boomen is a star midfielder for the league. Uh, Simon Manswerk is a good defensive midfielder, runabout midfielder for the league. Just play those guys together and you've got a very solid double pivot. Chuck in uh, Kenneth Taylor as well, and then you've got an incredible midfield for the level. Um there isn't much depth, as mentioned. Like lots of, there's lots and lots of youth players that Ajax are playing in real life. But you start it, it, this, and this is on the classic game start, uh, where they've already sold all their players, like Mohamed Kudus, um, Edson Alvarez, people like that. You start with thirty million pounds in the transfer budget, so you can go and sign people to reply, to bolster your squad. So I made four signings. Um, I signed Ludovic Rice off of Hamburg uh, as a backup defensive midfielder. I signed Hida Ter Avest uh, off of Utrecht as a backup right back. I signed Jurgen Ecklenkamp off of Antwerp as a uh, like rotation midfielder. And I signed on loan Elex Mariba off of RB Leipzig to come in and run around and be a dribbly boy. So like you can make signings. And, like, that, you've got the money in the bank to go out and make signings to come in and bolster the side. You've got good young players. You've got experienced older players who are some of the best players in the league. It's a really, really promising first save. Um, and it's very, very easy to come in and then win the league and be like, I am better than the people in real life. Uh, and, frankly, what else would you want from an FM save? Also, in my save, Tuba Akpom has six goals and two assists in six games. I'm going to take a punt that he's not doing that in real life. I'm going to go with no. I don't watch the Divise regularly, and when I do, I don't watch Ajax. <laughs> but I'm just going to guess that's not happening. No. Before we move on to Woodward, uh, my honourable mention for the Netherlands is FC Eindhoven, uh, who, like... Tamp Brown's uh, NAC, NAC Breda shout are in the second tier, the Esther Divisi. Um, 
They are the second team in Eindhoven after PSV, uh, and they've actually won the Eredivisie before, but they haven't been in the top tier since 1977. So your challenge, uh, if you choose to manage FC Eindhoven, is first to get into the Eredivisie for the first time in 50 years, then to become the best team in Eindhoven, so best PSV, then win the Eredivisie, then if you feel like it, go on and win the Champions League. So if you want a bit of a longer save in the in the Netherlands, but you think that Tam Brown is wrong and you don't want to go with NSC Breda for some reason, why not FC Eindhoven? Would would. So just quickly, I realised after we finished the Arversberg piece, I forgot to mention Armenia Bielefeld, just try and stop them getting relegated three years on the bounce, because that would not be nice. I mean, <laughs> they're trying their hardest at the moment, but they're closer to the relegation places than they would probably want. And second of all, when Tant Brown mentioned Belgium earlier, it reminded me that last week there was a cyclocross race in, brace yourself for this pronunciation, Uvervisia? Not a clue if that's how you say it. And I noticed there was a football stadium at the side of a cyclocross track. So I was like, oh my God, they have a football team. I'm going to Google that football team. And it's Tempo Overvigia. That's definitely not how you say that name. So if you want to manage them, then you go do that. They currently play in the Belgian Division 2. So they're not the biggest club. They have one stand. Oh, no, they have two <laughs> whole stands. Wow, fantastic. Anyway, so that was a recommendation I just wanted to put forward. But the next team I'm going to actually put forward as part of my five is the only other team I have that is actually particularly relevant to this year because I did <laughs> prep good. So, obviously, we mentioned this on the last episode. Japan is new in this year's game and I thought I've got to mention someone from Japan so I went down to the J3 league which I believe is the lowest tier that is in the game and there Mm -hmm. were two teams who obviously promoted to the J league this year Mm -hmm. and Oh my god, if I've picked one that Tom Brown's picture is. Have we picked the same team? Oh my pick. god. So so there were two. One of them's from Osaka. And Osaka is a, a big city in Japan. Mm. And I can't remember the club's name now. I'm sure Tom Brown remembers it. But I decided to go with the other one. I picked Narva Club. No! How have we done this? <laughs> <laughs> yes! <laughs> yeah, yes! <laughs> <laughs> they play on a um, running track, guys. It's incredible. <laughs> I, I, I'll let Tam Brown do do a piece on on Narva Club, but just just to say, Narva Prefecture itself is really nice. That was actually one of the things that made me um, pick it. If you if you look up Narva, it is absolutely fantastic. It, it looks wonderful. There's just like deer roaming the streets by themselves it, it, it's it's amazing and there's so many nice temples and parks i i just want to go there and i seem to have a, a hobby of picking clubs from places i want to go because i i picked red star and went to paris shortly after then i picked <laughs> tennis Borussia and went to berlin shortly after then i picked leon and went to leon shortly after it's not happening with narva <laughs> because that's more expensive <laughs> But yeah, I and it's happening with Alversberg because nobody decides to go to a village of twelve thousand people in another country for their holidays. But yeah, Narva looks beautiful. As for Narva Club themselves, currently managed by a Spaniard, so that's it's fun. 
I, I didn't know that. They, they, like I said, just promoted into the third tier. They, they play, as Ta- Tan Brown said, on a running track, <laughs> essentially. But it's meant to be a 30,000-seater yeah. stadium. I, th- I think what it means is there is room for 30,000 people within the confines of the ground because three sides of the stadium is just grass banks. Yeah. So... Maybe you can sit on the running track. I don't know, but it, it doesn't look thirty thousand. Don't look like thirty thousand seats. But yeah, Narva Club. Obviously, I had to mention Japan, and yeah, I, f- I feel like they'd be a fantastic road to glory. Oh yeah, I mean, I I was as you were kind of saying about Japan. I was there like, oh my goodness, as he chosen the same thing. And when I saw that the the stadium was thirty thousand, I was there looking at it, going, "Is it balls? Like that's just not." It's not 30,000. But I think it's because it can fit 30,000 people in. Because the seating capacity on FM says 5,600, which looks about right. So just imagine, Mm. almost 25,000 just stood next to this running track cheering on your team. (laughs) And I think the best, one of the best parts about it is the fact that I think the, the, the technical areas are actually behind the running track so yeah it's it's a beautiful kind of um thing really and i just i wanted to choose a team from japan and i i went with nara because again promoted for the first time into the into the j league system um but also looking at the team in football manager as well um They've got some because the Japanese league is fully licensed as well, which is fantastic. Uh, they've got some really cool kits, which is one reason to manage them. But also, they've got a deer on the badge. Like, just who doesn't want to manage a team that's got a deer on the badge for first and foremost? And that goes back to Woodward's point about the deer being able to roam. Um, they're also predicted mm-hmm. bottom half, but the the FM nightmare that uh, Nara Club pose is that uh, only three of their players are under the age of 25 when you start the game, which is just right. any any football manager uh, aficionado's hellhole, because we all know that we sell players as soon as they get to the age of 25. You're on the shelf, you know, off you go. So I don't think I can add any more than, than Mr. Woodward has beautifully said about, about Nara. Go visit it, because it looks a beautiful place. Mm. Well... I think that's the perfect segue into my J3 League team that I have also picked. <laughs> you haven't, have you? <laughs> I, I haven't also picked the same team, no. Uh, but I have picked another team in the J3 League, which is hilarious. Um, I have gone with Yokohama Sports and Culture Club, or YSCC Yokohama. They're literally the culture club. They are the culture club. Um, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing. Uh, Yokohama are actually predicted to finish below Nara on the season preview. They're predicted to finish 19th of the 20 teams. You might be aware of Yokohama like as a place, footballing-wise, because they have two teams in the J1 League, the highest tier of Japanese football. Yokohama F. Marinos, who are one of the big, big teams in Japanese football and were famously managed by Ange Postacoglu and Yokohama FC who were founded in 1999 and are just kind of there. But YSC Yokohama, YSCC Yokohama, I should say, um, are just much, much smaller than those guys. 
and in the third division instead of the first. So very simple, manage them and become the best team in Yokohama. Uh, it's a challenge, but one that I think would be quite fun. Um, also, the history section of the Wikipedia um, says that they were founded by former players for the Yokohama Flugels, um, like the original version of YSCC Yokohama were founded by former players for the Yokohama Flugels. Um, Yokohama Flugels would then fold and then become Yokohama FC. So there's like a there's a real history there of Yokohama football. You're always the underdog. You're the splinter side from the big dogs. You need to go and prove that you're the best. So that's my that's my third tier Japanese league suggestion because we it's the first like first time Japanese leagues have been officially licensed in FM. Of course, we're all going to pick a Japanese league team. Mine's YSCC Yokohama. Can I can I ask if mm. you do a lot of good, not just for the club but in society? If you if you are the culture club manager and you do good. Do you get like good luck given to you by the karma, 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 karma chameleon? Can we ban him, please, just for that? That was awful. No, we can't ban him because he needs to um, record this and then also actually, edit the podcast. And actually, I'm not point, doing it. The editing process so, yeah. will make your atonement for that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's earned one terrible pun from editing our three hour raw podcasts. Into I, I, something I do, listenable over the last year. I do more than one terrible pun per show. Let's face no comment. it. No comment. Fair enough. Um, but what is your? So we've done three of the five now. Yeah. Cool. So what, what's your fourth suggestion? So this pick isn't necessarily to do with this year, though. Oh, my honourable mention for Japan is FC Tokyo. Garen. Nice. Nice. F- Tokyo, where is it in Tokyo? Because it's massive. <laughs> I have no idea. I just kind of looked at the leagues and went, oh, that's a fun team. FC I gonna, Tokyo. I was going to say how big Tokyo was compared like, if you put it in the UK, but I can't remember. But it, it's it's like the size of most of yeah. the Midlands. Yeah, it's way bigger than London. It, it's not even... It, what's the population? Like, 33 million or something like that. Which itself. is half of the UK. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's ludicrous. Just a fun YouTube recommendation, by the way, Abroad in Japan, really good channel. Um, Anyway, so this pick isn't necessarily just to do with this year. It's it's not, not unique like the first three. The club in question haven't done anything that, that makes them necessarily worthy of inclusion. But as I am known to do from time to time, I like to complain about the state of football in 2023 because mm-hmm. I don't know if you've noticed but it's bad it's very very bad and so that inevitably leads to me looking up just fan-owned clubs anything to do with not having awful people involved in football and you might know that Norway mandates fan ownership stronger than 50 plus one it has to be a member-owned club you you don't have any investors in there like that. And so I wanted to mention a team from Norway, and I do have some honourable mentions, but after after consideration, the team I decided to mention were Lillestrøm. 
And there are a few reasons I've decided to mention Lillistrum. First of all, Lillistrum itself is near Oslo. If you or I were to go to Lillistrum, we'd be going through Oslo. It's a, a short train ride. So that obviously means you've got all of sort of the Oslo clubs as your local rivals. The main reason I wanted to... Well, there's two reasons I wanted to pick them. First of all, you might have seen... There was something really controversial a couple of weeks ago. Well, controversial outside of Norway. It seems to have got, just gone down like there in Norway. Which was their, their former manager, who I believe is called Jair Bakker, decided to leave the club and go to arch-rivals Valavenga. And when he came back for his first game against Lillestrøm, oh boy, were the fans not happy to see him. Yeah. They held up a massive banner <laughs> the size of the stand of him depicted as a rat with Judas around his neck hanging from a noose. And to be honest, I think they got their message across enough with him as a rat hanging from a noose without the need to write Judas as well. Like... I, don't, I can't imagine that he was looking at it going, I don't get that. Oh, Judas is saying I'm a traitor. And the thing is as well is that the stand that the, the banner was held in was the stand that the players walk out of, but the technical box is on the other side. So he had to walk facing that and looking at it for a significant period of time, and he had to see it as well facing it during the game too. So he must have loved that. The new manager is a name that many English football fans will know. It's Eric Backer, the former Leeds United midfielder. Brief spell with Aston Villa as well. And he is now, he's in management. He managed Songdal and now he's managing at Lillestrøm. And it's an all-round great guy, as I have been told by many people who have been able to meet him. I was hoping him. you were going to say um, he... Sam Allardyce for the <laughs> name known by English football fans, but oh well. <laughs> no, thank the Lord, <laughs> Eric Backer <laughs> is not Sam Allardyce. Doesn't play similar football, and and that's to the benefit of Lillestrøm. They've not won the what is now called Elite Syrian since 1989. So they're they're a big club. There, I, I believe the second most supported club in Norway based on membership. But they've not won the top flight now in many many decades. They've not won the Norwegian Cup since 2017. So Lillestrøm are a fantastic club. My dad recently had the honour of... Well, honour. He he got to go to a game and he said the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. The ultras were amazing. And it's a club really worth doing. Um, The other honourable mentions I have for Norway are Bran, because Bran are a, a big club who Eric Backer, funnily enough, used to play for. That's why I know them. But they've not won the top flight in a while. And Tromso, because Tromso are the most northerly team in the top flight. And obviously when Bodo Glimt won the title a few years ago, a lot was made about how northerly they were. Well, that's nothing on Tromso. I believe Tromso is about a four-hour drive north. They might as well be on the North Pole. <laughs> they're, they're that northerly. But, yeah, Lillestrøm was the, the pick for... For me. In that time, we had an impromptu break. Normally I say we're going into a break and then we have a break, but I didn't do that this time. We just started talking and then a break happened because we decided we were going to cut all of it because it was shit. 
Anyway, Tam Brown's turn. What's next? If, like me, you're a fan of indie music, uh, you'll probably be aware of the artist, uh, Declan McKenna, uh, and his, mm-hmm. his song Brazil. So, uh, I, and I do want to play the beautiful game while I'm in Brazil. Um, <laughs> um, but I, I haven't sold the Amazon. Instead, we're taking over a team based on the Amazon River, and this is Amazonas Football Club. Uh, it is based in Manaus, uh, which is a city on the Amazon River, which is you know just a wonderful place to go play football in the dead heat of the <laughs> of Manaus. Is that is that the one where they built one of the World Cup stadiums and everyone's going, why are you building a stadium there? Yes, but they don't play in that stadium. Um, they're not the biggest club oh. in, in Manaus. Who else is playing in that stadium? Oh, okay, okay. Man- Manaus is playing what in that say? stadium. <laughs> is that the one with the, with all the buses outside now? I don't know. I, I, I think so. Um, yeah. Oh, is it? Uh, oh, wow. Uh, yeah, Man- Manaus are in the, the same league and I'm just looking at their facilities now on uh, FC on football manager they're on no i don't think unless it's the same place no it's not it's not um Uh so no the bus stadium isn't the isn't the uh, one that i'm using but yeah so i've taken over well i say i have taken over uh there is amazonas uh fc which is based in the the jungle that is the amazon rainforest um basically the reason i chose it is to continue my my love of football terrorism and just causing myself as much pain as possible. Um, this was a team founded in 2019, uh, so a relatively new club, and it's their first time in Football Manager as they got promoted into the Brasileiro Serie C. But if you're any way familiar with Brazilian football, you don't just play your league games, you play your state league games as well. So I calculated that they have to play 16 games in the state championship plus 19 in Serie C. And if you get into the playoffs for the Serie C, uh, because you have to go into a like a championship group, which qualifies you for the second stage, you'll play another six games. And if you come top two, you get promoted. But also, if you get to the top two, you get to also go to the champions final to decide the champions of Serie C. And you've also got the Copa do Brasil, which is a really kind of weird competition because anyone from Serie A, Serie B and Serie C can play against each other. But the worst thing is, is if you draw against higher league opposition because they're higher seeded, you're out. That's So you have to win if you play against higher seeded teams or higher league teams. You can't just draw against them and get a replay. You don't go to extra time. If you draw 1-1 with Gremio you're out because Gremio are a bigger club that need to be in the next round, apparently. Um, also, half your squad, again, like uh, Nara Club, is over the age of 27, which is horrendous. And basically the challenge is to get through, is to win as many Amazonas state championships as you possibly can, but also to get through the Serie C, the Serie B, and then into the Serie A, where you can hopefully qualify for the Copa Libertadores and win that, and then win the Club World Cup, all whilst playing in the god-awful climate that is the Amazon rainforest. Um, So I don't know if that has any impact on player fatigue or anything like that, but I did want to give them a nice nice shout-out, and that was my my second uh, top pick. 
Does anyone have Excellent. any questions? That's the real, um, that's the real thing I, I wanted to ask. Why did you decide to intro that with by talking about Declan McKenna's song with Because it Brazil? opens with, uh, I heard you sold the Amazon. And I was there like, well, I'm, I think that's the best way to, to talk about it. Nice little segue in. I do want to okay. mention, I think um, Serie A football from Brazil is free on one football in the UK. So yeah, I think so. Watch it. Watch more Brazilian football. Watch more South American football in general. Fantastic. Yeah, and you want to break the dominance of you know the teams like Palmeiras, Flamengo, uh, Sao Paulo, yeah. Santos. Have a new team that you can take to be you know the top of the Farmers League. <laughs> so yeah, that was my, my second top pick. Excellent. I feel as well like even in Brazil, the climate of the Amazon is still probably going to be an advantage for you. Like I know, obviously the Brazilian climate is just a tad bit different to what we have in well most of Europe but especially in the UK but still it would be quite the challenge yeah. for any player who is not used to that particular environment yeah no it, i might be wrong it, it's a bit of a hellhole apparently to play football that's not the best is. way to promote managing them it's a bit of a hellhole <laughs> to, to to play football in to play football in i must i must say um but yeah Standing on the sideline with a portable fan, much better. Yeah, no, why not? <laughs> a nice, a nice drink of Guarana Antarctica. They're not sponsoring this, but that is objectively the best drink in the yeah. world. Also, their their stadium <laughs> is named after a guy called Carlos Zamith, who was a notable sports journalist of the state who had died when it was being constructed, and it was a, a training yeah. centre for the 2014 World Cup. Oh, nice. There nice. you go. That brings us around to me. And I've got. I'm really not sure which of these suggestions to leave until last. You know what? I'm going to go for this one. Uh, this next selection, I think, is probably going to be the one I actually go for as my FM24 save. Uh, and this is the Ange Postacoglu challenge. I'm talking about Brisbane Raw. They're in Australia in the A-League. Um, your short-term aim here would be to win the A-League, uh, but then the you wouldn't go to Brisbane to be Brisbane manager. This would be the start of a journeyman save, for me at least, where you're trying to get from Australia to the top five leagues of European football and then hopefully win the Champions League there. So Ange Postacoglu, if you're not aware, is the current Spurs manager who has gained a lot of interest for his unusual career journey. Uh, admittedly, he didn't actually start his managerial career at Brisbane Raw. Uh, he started at the semi-professional South Melbourne FC in 1997, but his time at the Raw was the start of his upwards trajectory that took him through the Australian national team, uh, Yokohama F. Marinos, another Japanese side, uh, and Celtic before arriving in North London. So and your task, Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but your task would be to uh, do the same to the best of your ability. Um I actually spent a bit of time this afternoon playing around with the Brisbane Raw save. And it looks quite fun. Um, so they're a mid-table side at the start of the save. Uh, they finished the 2023 uh, A-League season 8th of 12. And their predicted finish is 7th at the start of the new season. Uh, so your aim is to finish in the top half uh, from like the board objective. So you haven't really got much pressure in that first season. Like There's nothing... 
if you cock it up massively, there's not much that can go wrong. Um, and there's a couple interesting talents there. There's Thomas Waddingham and Kai Truin, who look like they could be genuinely very good footballers. Um, the cons are that they're not very good and there's no money. The way the A-League works is it has a salary cap and a designated player system, a little bit like the MLS. Uh, but there isn't player trading, as far as I can tell. So like, you can sign and sell players as you regularly would. You just can't pay them over £2,000 a week unless they're a designated player, in which case you can. Um, so if, you, if you're if you not a fan of designated player systems, uh, if you want to have that freedom of the transfer market, this probably isn't the same for you. Uh, but if you're fine with that, and I think I'm fine with that, given it's not as restrictive as the MLS version, um, it'd be fine. Um, the thing is with uh, Brisbane is they don't have any designated players. Their highest paid player is on two grand a week. They don't have any designated players and there's no room in the wage budget to bring in any designated players. Uh, so... The struggle will be that you've got a really mid team, basically. Like, there's no one that's actually good to fire you to a surprise league title in your first season or anything like that. You've got a mid table team with no stars, and you're not going to have the chance to sign any stars unless you get rid of people. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I'm going to be, wherever I start, I'm going to be doing a German save this year. Um, my last two big FM saves uh, have been one club saves. So obviously last year I did my immensely well-documented Taunton Town save. And then in FM 22, I did 11, 12 seasons with Edinburgh City in Scotland. This year uh, I, I want to do a journeyman save. So I want to start ideally outside of Europe and then build my way up to the top of the European leagues. Um, my honourable mention for Australia is the Newcastle Jets. Um, they've been around since the start of the A-League, and in fact, before the start of the A-League, um, and most recently won the A-League Premiership in 2018. Uh, but at the start of the save, they are predicted to finish bottom, and the owner is looking to sell. So it's a bit more of an immediate challenge than Brisbane Roar at the beginning of the game, which is why they are my honourable mention. I have a second honourable mention that's nothing to do with Australia. The actual first professional team that Postacoglu managed is called Panacheiki, and they are actually in the game because they're a Greek second-tier side. So if you want to go from the very beginning of Ange Postacoglu's professional management career, you can go and start there. But I think that's less fun because it's in Europe. So it'll be easier to work your way up. That is comprehensive, put it that way. Yeah, um, so I don't know if you can tell, but I started out here, I was going to write detailed notes on all of my saves. I made detailed notes for Brisbane, made detailed notes for Ajax, made some notes for Scunthorpe and Yeovil, some notes for Yokohama, and then my final save, which we're about to come to, I have gotten to while we've been recording. So we'll get to that in a minute, but I have got something fun that I've been cooking while you guys have been chatting. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I suppose that moves us back around to uh, the man who is on our little call, uh, registered as Daniel Farker's Barmy Army, Mr. Alex Woodward. <laughs> I mean, come on, why not? 
that 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 first half against Huddersfield was just taking the mess almost. It was that yeah, good. It was good. Oh, I, I could I could wax lyrical about that, but I won't. Instead, I'll talk about my final pick. And again, I've picked a club that isn't necessarily unique to this year, but I've been watching more football from this country this year than I have in the past. I started watching games from this country last year, and I've been trying to watch more and more, but... I mentioned that Norway's clubs are all fan-owned by law. There is another nation where this is true, where the clubs are mandated that they are owned by the members. They have to be not-for-profit organisations, and that is Argentina. And I've been interested in Argentina a lot recently in terms of football because I, I recently got this book, for my birthday, which I am holding up to the camera, which you can't see if you're listening to this podcast. I am perfectly aware of that. It's called Angels with Dirty Faces by Jonathan Wilson. It is a fantastic read. I'd highly recommend it. And if you know anything about Jonathan Wilson as a author and journalist, he goes into a lot of detail. And oh boy, does he go into a lot of detail. Uh, over 500 pages about the history of Argentine football. It's a bit outdated, it came out in 2019, so it does not cover the World Cup or anything like that. But obviously COVID, because he, he didn't have a, a look into the future. And if he did, then he didn't warn us, which is absolutely awful of him. But I, I don't think he did. Anyway, so this brings me on to my final pick from Argentina, and that is Quilmes Atletico Club. Quilmes are the oldest club who are still in existence. They're one of the sides who were founded by British immigrants, which, funnily enough, was how most Argentine clubs back in the 1880s and 1890s got their start. And that's what led to the explosion of football in Argentina. It is the oldest sports league, out, a football league, sorry, outside of Europe, the oldest football association outside of Europe as well. So it, it's a... It's a league with a lot of history. Quilmes first won the Premier Division title back in 1912, but they have only won it once since. They won the 1978 Metropolitano title as well, which was, I believe, after Argentine football had split into, you know, having the, like, nowadays it's the Apertura and the Closerva, which I have never understood no one's ever adequately explained it to me because I haven't got onto that part of this book. But when I do, I will tell you. I've only just started reading it. So, Quilmes itself is a city of some people. I'll be honest, Wikipedia doesn't say. I was expecting that it would, but it doesn't. But it is <laughs> technically part of Buenos Aires, so... It's obviously part of that major city. You have all of the other big clubs in Buenos Aires as well. But they are a historic football club founded in 1887, 135 years ago. They play in a really nice stadium, the 35,000-seater Estadio Centenario. So absolutely fantastic. But yeah, just plays aside in Argentina, to be honest. It would be a great idea. My honourable mention... We shouldn't laugh at other languages, especially as Brits, because a lot of us are monolingual, even if we've got a really impressive streak on Duolingo going like myself. 
But obviously, it's, it's very easy to mock other languages when they have words that in our language are silly, like the Danish signs that say fart control, which means speed control. But with that in mind, I do also want to suggest another side in the second tier. Probably should have said that. Quilmes playing the second tier of the Argentine game, being the Primera Nacional. But with that in mind, there's another side in the league called Deportivo Morvon. <laughs> which is just a perfect yeah. name. So if you want to manage the Morvons, you feel free to go and do that, but Quilmes is my pick. I, I, I do love that. Um, in the in the same group as them in the in the Primera Nacional, there's, I noticed there's a club called uh, Club Atletico Chaco Forever. Um, which is just an absolutely incredible name. Um, I'm not sure why it's got that name. Some great names. But yeah, I mean... It's Chaka Forever. Ch- Chaka Forever. Come you know, on. Why not? Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I was tempted by Argentina, uh, but I couldn't... I, I didn't think I knew enough about it to be able to make an informed decision as to who to choose. Uh, you come to a really good choice, and it's off the beaten track, which I love. Can I just say... The Wikipedia mm. page of Chaka Forever says, the term Chaka Forever is unique. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that you out. You don't say. <laughs> I do I mean, that. Yeah. So just for the record, because we didn't actually talk about this on the recording, the reason why they're called Chaka Forever is because the founder of the club supposedly wanted to make sure that it would last forever, and so he decided to call the club Chaka Forever. It's an unorthodox approach, definitely. It did remind me, though, there is a club in the Bolivian Primera Division called Club Always Ready. So, how are they ahead of the game while they're always ready? Anyway, back to the podcast. We, we were always going to be off the beaten track, weren't we? Uh, that's just mm. how we are as a podcast. I think last year I took us to Peru for one of my suggestions. I haven't gone quite so far this time. But you'll have to wait to find out who my final suggestion is because it's time to yeah, tap back. Um, I, was, I was torn uh, for, my, for my final suggestion. Um, the, honorable, the last honourable mention goes to um, a place that meant a lot to me as a as a kid mainly because i love star wars and watching anakin skywalker get married to padme amidala was uh something beautiful and that was filmed at lake como no. <laughs> that, that was filmed at lake como <laughs> um so my my honor my last honorable mention is como fc you know beautiful place and the challenge would be to um topple the milan club's dominance and become the biggest club in milan and also the biggest club in italy but i chose a team that used to play in the UEFA Cup. And since mm. they last played in the UEFA Cup, which was in 2000, I think it was 2007, 2008, maybe. Um, it, or it might have been, yes. So they won the uh, Tasha da Liga, which is the Portuguese League Cup, which should give you a bit of a hint as to who I'm choosing um, here. They're an absolute fallen giant. They are one of the biggest clubs or most decorated clubs in Portugal apart from the big three you know Porto, Benfica, Sporting and they have gone through what has been a a horrendous run basically Um, and the team I've chosen is Vitoria de Setubal who are in the Campeonato Nacional Prio which is the fourth division of Portuguese football and although they are predicted to be promoted at the start of the game, 
it's not exactly like this team is in good health. They were playing in the Primera Liga as recently as 2019-20, and they got demoted all the way down to the Campeonato. I think it was for financial uh, reasons. Um, and basically, they avoided relegation that season, but they didn't gain a licence to play and were relegated administratively to the bottom league. They got promoted in the season after, but then, because of their financial situation, they got relegated again. And they're, when you take them over, they're financially insecure, which is not good. Um, their top player is only earning uh, £1,100 per week, um, which is it's a big wage, but also he's 37, and it's probably not a good reason to keep him around for too long. Uh, most of your squad is either very unproven or very old, which is never a good sign. Um, I, I realise I said um a lot here. Uh, <laughs> I, I do, I do apologise. But yes, they're, they're a kind of fallen giant of Portuguese football. Fifteen years ago, uh, they were in the uh, UEFA Cup, and they were kind of a, a, a staple of those of those years. And the biggest problem that you're going to face when you come in is a negative bank balance of 1.86 million, uh, which, just so you know, most teams have a balance of around about £30,000 in the Portuguese fourth division. So whilst you may be doing quite well on the field, it's actually about repairing the financial damage of the club. You start the season with what can only be described as a woeful financial situation. You have zero transfer budget, and any sales you make, only 20% of the transfer revenue will be made available. The guaranteed budget for next season is zero as well, if you manage to stay that long. They only have around about £900 a week to spend on new signings, and when most players at this level command a wage of £350 per week... You can only really make three signings unless you make any more sales. It is probably one of the toughest ones you're going to have to do, but even though you will get promoted probably in the first season, it is the next, it is the second season that is going to be the real problem, trying to get out of what is the, the Liga 3 in Portugal, because that's when you start to come up against some of the really good B teams, like Braga's B-side and Sporting. Uh, uh, Club de Portugal's B-side, as well as some proper good teams in terms of the players that they have. So, my pick is Vitória do Setúbal. Excellent. I've just found a club who I think play in the Portuguese fifth kit tier, called <laughs> Sporting Club Ideal. I <laughs> just like that. They're called Ideal. You can tell we're getting to the arse end of this podcast, because while one of us is talking, the other ones of us are just kind of researching other things that are just trying to I was trying to find the team and then I, I, I came across Sporting Club Ideal and then I stopped looking I mean I, I've also... also at that point forgotten the name mm. I, I, I haven't really done a save in Portugal mm. before so well, I think that'd be quite an yeah. interesting one to go for especially like a, like a, a, well, I don't know if you could call them a giant but a fallen team to that extent it's quite quite fun last quite year I just did Olhanense uh, mm who had been relegated to this level. Um, 
And if you if you managed to get Olenense mm. promoted last year, well done, because they actually got relegated last season. Uh, so I, I, I chose a really hard team to choose uh, to start with. Hopefully, Vittorio is an easier start, but the journey is going to be extremely difficult, especially to recover uh, a one mil- a negative one million balance in the Portuguese fourth division when your players are worth a thousand pounds at best. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I haven't like in all the exploring I've done, I haven't found a team with a negative transfer budget. So you've done well oh, to even I've, they, dig them up. They have no transfer budget. They've just got a negative bank balance. Yeah. Um, funny fun fact is, if you do choose Leeds on either the original transfer mode or the you know the one that has all the future transfers coded in, and not the your world save, mm. you actually have a negative bank balance of five million. Fair enough. So, woo! If you, if you want financial pain, choose Leeds. If you want sound if, management, if you want just all round pain in your your forehead and all around your brain, choose Vittoria. Well, speaking of pain, uh, my final suggestion and the final suggestion for this year's list from a thousand hours. I went on a quest to find the team with the worst reputation in the base game of FM24. And what did Zelda find? (laughs) So I went searching for the lowest reputation leagues in the base game of FM24 and I'm pretty sure they are the Welsh second tier leagues. So the JD Cymru North and the JD Cymru South. In the JD Cymru North, according to the season preview at the start of the game the worst team is Chirk who are have 300 to 1 odds to win the league in the JD Cymru South the worst team has a has odds of 350 to 1 to win the league and they are a fully amateur side not even semi-professional the team that I'm going with is Abatillery Bluebirds FC no money no reputation fully amateur side just to give you a a little flavor of the difficulty of this save um i've been kind of fiddling with this while we've been recording just to like just see how it goes uh you boot this up and you are the only if, if, if as long if you don't choose the option to fill in key staff members you are the only member of staff uh Abatillery Bluebirds at the start of the game. The board will allow you to have one head of youth development, two coaches, so across assistant managers, general goalkeeping and fitness, you can have two. You can have a director of football, a chief scout, a scout, a head physio, and a physio. And that's it. That's all the staff you're allowed. I'm going to read the entire extent of the Abatillery Bluebirds FC Wikipedia page. Abertillery Bluebirds are a Welsh football team based in the town of Abertillery. They currently have a senior side in the Cymru South, tier 2 of the Welsh football pyramid. In May 2019, they returned to the Welsh Football League, gaining promotion from the Grant County League, having last played in the league in the 2013-14 season. And then there's a list of honours. And that's, and then there's the references. And that's it. That's the extent that's of That's almost as detailed as that Argentinian football book I just talked about. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that'd be like 500 pages if you put it into Prem. Also, I, I tried to... So, obviously, I started with no staff. So, I tried to hire myself 
an assistant manager, and no one would sign for me. Wow. You like don't even like filter by like minimum minimum attributes or whatever you would normally do to hire staff. Just put in assistant manager, sort by world reputation to lowest, and then just go through until one of them will sign. Because most of the ones, even on the lowest reputation, will not. In terms of playing staff, when I... You you know when you, like, boot an FM save, it will come up with, like, assistant manager's rating of, like, the first 11 or something like that? Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it'll come up with, like, a first 11 uh, as you're going through those screens. The first 11 didn't have a striker or a left winger for my preferred formation of a 4-3-3. It was nine players with two gaps. Good, good, good. Uh, If you want a challenge, and I I am genuinely, from from poking around at this, I'm quite tempted. I might change up what I was going to do to go for an Abitillery Bluebird save to start with. But if you're looking for a challenge to build yourself up from the very, very bottom of European football, Abitillery Bluebirds. Good luck. FM, hard codes, um, the reputation Mm -hmm. for teams. And I've managed to find out the score that Abitillery Bluebirds have. And it's out of 10,000. So I'm I'm willing to take guesses. (laughs) Two. Right. <laughs> Is it in three digits? Yes. Oh. One hundred exactly. No, no, it's it's a little bit Damn it. bigger. If that helps. Can, can can you give like a can can you give like a comparison? Like do you know like what say Doncaster Rovers is or someone like that. Just just a, a run-of-the-mill English club. Oh, as, as in like a Doncaster... Right, okay. Um, let me give you... You know what? Someone like in League 1, League 2. I'll, I'll give you a Doncaster Rovers. Doncaster Rovers are 4,300. Okay. 300. 500. Alex Woodward takes the point. They are 300 uh, reputation, which is... Honestly, it's absolutely <laughs> terrible. Um, I'm trying to find if they are the worst. I mean, reputation. Doncaster Rovers get like seven fans to their mm. game, so. So let, let me tell you the stats of the member of staff who agreed to sign for me. Um, so my assistant manager is Alan Wynn Stanley. Um, he has th- a people management score of three. A judging player ability of five and a judging player potential of four. That's because he's somebody from the First World War. <laughs> like he, he, if he wasn't a general in World War One, I, I don't know what he was. I mean, he was born in 1980. Uh, uh, Alan, uh, Who was so calling Alan that kid Alan Wynn in 1980? Alan Wynn Stanley a real is a real bloke. Hi, Alan. Real bloke. You're listening. Hi, Alan. If you're listening, um, real bloke. Um, former assistant manager. Sorry of... about your name. Former assistant manager of Port Madog and Conwy. My favourite teams. And fitness coach at Carnarfon. And a former player at my um, honourable mention from the Welsh leagues of Mould Alex. Oh yes, hey. Alexander, the full name, uh, which I think is very funny. 
because I was going to say Mold Alex returns for season two. Uh, a thousand hours. Yeah. to see it. Got, we've got to keep mentioning oh, them. Yeah. Did we mention them last year as well? Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, it was one of Tampa Bam's pay. Yeah, it was. Uh, I forgot that. I completely yeah. forgot that. I thought that was why you were you were mentioning them. No, I just forgot, I completely forgot that. But they are we also, we also mentioned Bavi for a Bavi Bavi Champions League final if you want to do a split save. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yes. But yeah. yeah. Go, go and manage Abatillery Bluebirds and like start with no coaching badges, no whatever, and see if you can build your way up to winning the Champions League because Jesus Christ, that'll be a challenge. That that's a thirty, forty year save, that bloody hell. I mean, if you're doing it with the Bluebirds, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh you got it. Like if, if you're if you're club hopping, I think you can make you'd, it you'd hope sooner. So, you know. Oh, yeah, Just yeah. get to TNS and you're in the Champions League, you know. Um from my research as well, I, I can I can't find anyone in the base game that is worse. So I, I'm going to pass yeah. the honorary baton of um, FM sadomasochist on to Alex Towels this year, and you get to you get to wear the honorary <laughs> gimp mask for the for the year when you talk about your safe. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I'm actually going to go with Abertillery Bluebirds because I'm quite invested in the idea of um, starting out in not Europe and building up to Europe. Um, Honourable mention for the country of South Africa uh, because another team that has inspired a potential FM save for me uh, is the Mabalodi Sundowns um, who are managed by Rilani McQuena who was interviewed on the TIFO Football Podcast, uh, a podcast that I highly recommend you listen to. Um, go and listen to the one where he was interviewed it's really really inspiring to view uh, but yeah he talks about how it's like very difficult to make the path from South African football into European football and like the pinnacle of the game especially in management so I, I, I do want to perhaps go and manage in South Africa so that's my final honourable mention to the country of South Africa um, Come back at next time where I might be managing in South Africa. We'll all, all I'm saying is, um, I will forever make fun of you if you don't start with Abatillery Bluebirds. I might, I, I, maybe another time. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if, if 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 South Africa doesn't go well. But I, I, I have been, I, I've been wanting to do like a save starting in not yeah. Europe for a little while. No, I, 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 I think so, a lot of us have actually taken taken a non-European look this year. Mm. And I, to be honest, I think it's because European football is quite boring this year. There's nothing stand out that you can you can do. I think. Yeah. Well, speaking of things we're actually going to do this year, do either of you actually know what your first save in FM24 is going to be? What are we going to be following in the next episode of a Thousand Hours? Woodward. I'm not telling you yet, just because there's a a semi long speech about it so i'm, oh, I'm not bad. going right so I, I started last year with parma in italy at first before i got incredibly bored of that save and decided to just quit and i think the reason was i didn't start far down enough for 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 it to be enjoyable i i think over the last few years i've enjoyed building teams up more and even if i leave them in the top flight I, the journey to the top flight was the rewarding part, and getting Palmer promoted in year one just made it boring. So I, I wanted to go back to Italy and, and actually start 
with with a side and build them up to Serie A because I've genuinely never won Serie A on Football Manager. I, I always used to play in England growing up and only in England, and it's only in the last few years I've actually started, you know, playing the game like a normal person. So I was looking for a side to, to manage, and, and the one side that really stood out to me immediately was San Remese Calcio. And a lot of people who know me will know why immediately. And those who don't will know when I say they're from the city of San Remo. And if you still don't, then then there's an explanation. So San Remo isn't big in terms of football, but it is very big in Italian culture. First of all, because it is the host city for Festivale San Remo, or as it's, it's commonly referred to in Italy, just the festival. It is that big. And the San Remo Festival is the inspiration for the Eurovision Song Contest. That's what it's based off. And the winner of the San Remo Festival is Italy's representative in Eurovision. One of the first big songs to come out of the festival was Volare. It's not called Volare, it's called In Blue di Pito de Blu, or something like that, but everyone knows it as Volare. But that's not the main reason. There is one thing I love more than football, there is one thing I, I do more than football and talk about more than football, and that is cycling. I love bicycles. I love going on bicycles. I love watching people on bicycles. I just love anything about bicycles. I will watch hours of cycling footage, hours of documentaries, and I, I cycle thousands of kilometers every single year. I, I love cycling. And San Remo is very famous as the host of the Milano San Remo race, which obviously starts in Milan and ends in San Remo. And it's one of the classics, as it's called, the one day uh, races that was really famous. Mark Cavendish once called San Remo, Milano San Remo, an opera because it just builds and builds and builds and builds to an exciting conclusion. So when I saw that I could play as a team from San Remo and make them not just famous for music and not just famous for cycling, but also for football, I was like, yes, I have to do that. So Milano San Milano San Remo. So San Remese Calcio is is the team I've decided to play as on the new edition of the game. Tam Brown, what is your um, what is your FM twenty four save going to be? It's a difficult one. Um, I, I've promised so much with all my weird and wonderful picks, but after what I did to myself last year, um, <laughs> I just I fancy something a bit more sedate, actually. Um, and I was gonna go for South Shields, but then I thought, ah, I tell you what. It's very easy once the editor comes out to turn on the leagues below. And since hashtag United are there, I just thought, why not? You know. No. no. Terrible club. What do you mean terrible Cynical club? Cynical marketing nonsense. Anyone who willingly calls themselves hashtag can get out. I'm doing it for Faisal Mangedog Manji. I think you'll find... They're not exactly the sort of community club that, that care that we all all associate with the lower leagues. It's, it's a bloody cynical marketing. Boo! Come at, me all, come at me all you want. You know, they play in very nice kits. And I will, I will happily adorn them. 
So you should you should pick you should pick South Shields and make them play in a rainbow kit because that would really anger Newcastle's owners. <laughs> Rain, rainbow away kit to go away at St James's. Yeah, it'd be perfect. And then in the sponsorship space, a picture of Jamal Al Khashoggi. Perfect. I'm sure I can create that somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and off that wild tangent, um, yes, I I think that's quite fun. Um, I'm not going to do that because I like playing with the base game. Uh, as I've mentioned, there's, there's not well, there's not really much point in me going into mine because I've already said it. I'm either going to do Brisbane Brawl or I, or a team from South Africa. I, I've got a friend from South Africa. Shout out Alex Collings, and he suggested uh, CT Spurs, Cape Town Spurs. So I might go with them. Uh, if you want to find out for sure, listen to the next episode of A Thousand Hours. Towels managing Spurs confirmed. I was going to say, <laughs> as 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 an Arsenal fan, I can't I can't get behind anything to do. with You're not going to be allowed on Pot Shot. No, it, Pot Shot's my show. <laughs> I, yeah, and you're. I'm not gonna, gonna it's going to be a coup. And the, and the committee of Alex. And also, it was Alex Collins also on Pot Shot, and he suggested CT Spurs, so they can't be. Uh, that well, anyway. there's going to be a coup from someone. The, the, the committee of oh, I should say cubed has spoken, and you're banned from from Pot <laughs> yeah. Shot. Sure. I I, I should say Simon Mesa Calcio in Serie D because I don't think I said that, but fourth tier. Yeah. Okay, so you've got to go. You've got to edit the. You're doing an editor save as well because Serie C is as low as it goes in the base game. Yes. Yeah. Nice. Right. Shall we finish off by listing off our 15 teams that you should play as in FM24? Um, Woodward, Indeed. who are your five teams? So my five teams are Malaga, Alversburg, Lillestrøm, Narva Club, and Quilmes Atletico Club. Tam Brown. Uh, my five teams are Monskalpa, uh, Nac Breda, Amazonas, Vitoria di Setubal, and because uh, Alex Woodward took my Nara Club shout, I am going to just insert uh, Standard Liège. We can both have Narva Club. No, because he wants a he wants a fifteen, doesn't he? So. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was going to be more than 15 anyway because of my double shout. But anyway, my teams are Brisbane Raw, Ajax, Scunthorpe United, All Yeovil Town, YSCC Yokohama, and Abertillery Bluebirds. Uh, hopefully, one of those 15 brackets, 16 suggestions, appeals to you and you can take that forward into the new game. If you do use any of our suggestions, let us know. Uh, you can either like send us a me- send us a message on Twitter. We are on Twitter at a thousand hours FM. Not that we use it very much, uh, but we can also like there's a Q and A section on our Spotify. I'm pretty sure where you can tell us what team mm. you will be using in FM24. So please do so. If you do, uh, we will give you a shout out in the next episode. Uh, but for now, that is that. Thank you very much to Messrs. Woodward and Tout Brown for joining us. Thank you to you for joining us and discussing this wonderful, wonderful game that we all love. And here's to another year of epic FM stories. We'll see you on the next one. Cheers. Arrivederci.